Good morning, church. How are we doing? It's so good to see you this morning. It is so good to be in the house of God today. It is so good um, to be with you. My name is Preston Lanier, and I am the Elevate Student Ministries pastor. If I haven't met you, I'd love to meet you today. In fact, I think I've got some of my students in the crowd. Right? We got some. We got some over here. Awesome. So glad you guys were able to make it. Actually, if you don't know, let me, let me, I'll, I'll take this moment to just plug, plug uh, the youth ministry real quick. On Wednesday nights, we meet from 6 to 7. We dig into God's Word. We hang out. We have a time of worship. And I'd love, if you're a student, for you to join us. And if you have a student in your home, for, for you to bring them on a Wednesday night, we would love to see you. And we have our Christmas party coming up next weekend as well. But before I begin this morning, I want to give honor where honor is due. I want to thank Pastor Robert and Pastor Beaver. Can you give them a round of applause for me? Thank you. Come on. They do so much here in the city of Vicksburg. They do so much for the kingdom of God here at Elevate Church. They spend countless hours uh, pouring into you guys and studying uh, and just listening to God's voice for Elevate Church. Amen. So I, I never want to take... Uh, the opportunity to be up here lightly, to share God's word. It is not something I take lightly, so I want to give them honor today. Um, I've actually been told by a couple church members that there's a certain football game that starts at noon today. Um, so if you, need, if you need me to hurry up this morning, I'm, I'm going to try to get us out of here in a timely manner. However, I'm going to tell you a secret. I'm going to tell you the way you can help me preach a little faster, share God's word a little faster. We're going to learn. We're going to focus in. But if you can give me an amen, if you can talk back, if you can give me a preach it white boy, if you can give me a shame the flesh, something. I need something this morning. I told the students that, and they, they were deliberating over the, fir- the first service who was going to do it. Um, but if you can give me some feedback, if you can tell me that you're, you're hearing it and receiving it this morning, we can get out of here in a timely manner. Uh, like you know already, we're continuing in our, Chris- our messy Christmas series, and I have the honor of sharing week two with messy relationships. We all have them. We're all invo- involved in them. Messy relationships. Let's pray this morning. Father God, I thank you today. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord God, that this is not my word. This is your word. Help us to learn from it today. Holy Spirit, fill me up as I share. Lord God, uh, this is your service, not ours. Father, we want to share and let you invade our space this morning. I pray for open ears and open minds. Let us learn, and I pray for um, safety as we go today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So when I entered my high school and college years, I noticed something about relationships. Because obviously I was getting in the age where I was making more friends and also interested in other sorts of relationships, you know what I'm talking about. Um, But I realized that what I had learned on TV and movies wasn't exactly how relationships work in real life. They don't all end the same way like they do in our media today. What I didn't realize until this older age as I was growing up is how media and popular culture around me, not necessarily all in harmful ways, but they had subtly influenced how I expected relationships to be. They completely influenced my expectations. The TV shows I had binged before binging was even a thing, the movies I watched, the books I read, I'm not even talking about just romantic relationships, but also even friendships. Uh, movies and TV shows and content about 
friends going on adventures and going after treasure and just having great times together. They always end with a happy ending. It always ends with a happily ever after into the sunset. Am I right? No, I mean, it's holiday season. The, the sh the, there are certain channels that we like to watch during this time of year. I know many in the room like to. What are the Hallmark Christmas specials. Who in this room is one of the... Okay. Listen, there's nothing wrong with that. Listen, some, some warm, fuzzy feelings, even though they're all exactly the same exact story every single time. Before you, put your, you pull your pitchforks out on me, don't hurt me. Listen, I actually found a summary that I think puts it up real well. Do we have that on screen? Do we have that on screen today? Summary for the Hallmark Christmas. Yeah, here we go. The plot of every Hallmark movie is about a career woman who is too busy for love. But she has to move to a small town where a handsome local bachelor teaches her about the true spirit of the holiday. It starts snowing and they kiss. There's also a dog. <laughs> if that's not every single Hallmark movie, I don't know what is. I didn't come up with that. That's, that is uh, Joel W. But, uh, but I think it's really, really accurate. All I'm saying is I'd love to see a follow-up movie five years down the road with two and a half kids, jobs falling apart, the market crashing. I want to see some reality uh, in some of these Hallmark Christmas movies. But going back to what I had learned, I realized that instead of this cookie-cutter, same story for everyone, we, we have messy relationships in our lives. We are connected to them. Think about our families. I am a firm believer that every single one of our families has some form of dysfunction. Am I right? Listen, if you're telling me you do not have dysfunction in your family, someone's lying. Someone's faking it. Listen, invite me to your family dinner, first of all. I'll never deny that blessing. And second of all, I will help you find your dysfunction. Trust me, I can, I can point it out pretty easily. Um, but I have good news today. God wants to use our messy relationships he is truly in the business of taking our mess and turning it into something life-changing. So today we're going to dive into a story about arguably the most influential, the most impactful, messy relationship in the entire Bible. God took this couple and took their mess and made a miracle. He took their dysfunction and created hope. They, he literally used them to birth the good news, the gospel. If you haven't guessed already, I'm talking about Mary and Joseph. They had some mess going on when, it all, when everything started. There were some cultural norms that were being broken. There was some snafus going down with Mary and Joseph. I'm sure there were judging eyes and judging family members. There was mess in their midst. So as we look at their story, well, let's, let's start. We're actually going to look at each of them individually and them together. First of all, let's look at Mary, what we can learn from her. And what I learned that we can find from her is a foundation of trust, a foundation of trust. It's so important. In Luke 1, we learn a little bit about Mary's family. She is engaged to be married to Joseph, who is in the lineage of King David, someone very important in the Bible story. And she's excited. She's ready to start a new life. And she's incredibly young. Scholars believe she was around 14, 15 years of age, which was not um, out of the ordinary for that time period. And so she's this age. She's ready to start a new life. She's ready to jump in to a marriage life with her husband-to-be. And an angel named Gabriel appeared to her out of nowhere. Let's look at that in Luke 1, starting in verse 28. The angel went to her and said this, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, 
you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, will be called the Son of God. When even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Can you imagine how Mary felt? The thoughts that must have been running through her head in this moment. An angel who she had only heard stories about before, had probably only dreamed about seeing one day, showed up to her and gave her a word that she, he said was from God. And this wasn't a light, casual word. This wasn't to say, hey, good job, pat on the back. This was something heavy. This was something that meant something. And you, you see her pondering and thinking through what this means. You literally see her going, what do you, I'm a virgin. I'm getting married. What's going on? What does this all have to do with me? She was going to have to tell her husband this. She was going to have to tell him, our first child is not going to be conceived through normal means, but supernatural ones. But she had a foundation of trust, and that trust was in God. She took God at his word that he, whatever he said, he was going to do it. At some point in life, the hard truth is people will break your trust. I have had my fair share of trust broken from family members and friends. It happens every single day all around us. But trust with God at the center is far stronger and cannot be broken. It is a firm foundation. A foundational trust of God, in God is unbreakable. We can take him at his word. You see, I, I'm encouraged by this because if God knew what he was doing when he chose these, chose these two young people to bring his son, the savior of the world, into earth, onto earth, he absolutely knows what he's doing with our lives. He absolutely knows what he's doing with your lives. A foundation of trust is important. And as we move on, we look at Joseph. He definitely had a foundation of trust as well. But it gave him something unique to their relationship. It gave him something unique, the Holy Spirit perspective. A Holy Spirit perspective. So Mary goes to Joseph, and she shares everything the angel had told her. And Joseph considered this, and he was incredibly conflicted. I'm sure he was confused, maybe even hurt, maybe even on the edge of offense. And he was a, a good man, and he wanted to do the right thing, but the right thing at that time in that society would be to publicly shame Mary and move on. To say, look at what she's done. I'm leaving. I'm going to go find someone that is going to uh, uh, actually obey the law because it would have been seen as something unlawful at the time. This whole situation with Mary becoming pregnant without while still being a virgin. It would have been lawful. It would have been applauded in the community. He probably would have gotten pats on the back going, good job, man. Hey, I'm sorry. You'll find someone new. But God had something else in mind. Amen. Matthew 1, starting in verse 19, we actually learn about this because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had her in mind to divorce her quietly. Let me pause there for a second. Joseph was even trying to treat Mary well here. 
on the, you know, good, better, best scale, this would probably be that better category. This would be, he's trying to treat her well. He would just divorce her quietly and move on, let her live her life in him his. But God's best is never on that scale. It's far above it. And God's best was about to happen here. So in verse 20, it says this, but after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. We learn here from Joseph that when you trust God first, you gain a Holy Spirit perspective. This is a perspective that provides wisdom for the actions we need to take. It shows us and helps us in what we're supposed to do with the mess in our lives, even our messy relationships. You see, God wants to use our mess. And I think how he does that so often is he actually prompts us to move. He prompts us to take action. I think it can be all too easy to go, God, I need you to move. I need you to move. And he wants to, but he, he needs you to take that step step of faith, right? Usually there is that good, better, best. And this is where the Holy Spirit comes in. There's that scale. But in God's kingdom, there is that God's best that's even better than all these options. God's best comes from a certain place. And I've found that that place is from obedience. We see that in Joseph. He obeyed God. God has our very best in mind. And it's this mixture It's the equation, trust plus obedience equals God's best. It's the catalyst to step in to what he has in store for our lives. Proof of this is all over scripture. In Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Jeremiah 29, 11, I'm sure many of you know it. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. I am so thankful that what God has in store for me is far better than anything I could ever ask or imagine or come up with. You see, striving for what our society says is best is well and good, but if you want the very best for our lives, if we want to reach our full potential, God's calling in our lives with each and every one of you. I truly believe that today. Each and every one of you have that calling on your life. We have to aim for God's best. We have to seek him in this. So after we see Mary and Joseph individually trust God, have a Holy Spirit perspective, that's fantastic that they each individually did this. But the fact of the matter is is that God's plan was for them to work together. They were supposed to never go alone. Never go alone. We see that in Luke 2, starting in verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census census that took place while, I'm just going to call him Q. We're going to go with Q today. Was a governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth and Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married with him, Tim, and was expecting a child. You are not meant to journey alone. 
This journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem would have taken between four to five days of walking through the desert. And they, Mary and Joseph, were meant to do this journey together. You see, all throughout God's word, all throughout scripture, we can find God's original intention with us. We were made for community. We were built for each other. We can look back at Genesis, at the creation story. God made man in his image. He breathed his breath, his spirit into man. And Genesis tells us that God dwelled with him. God spent intimate one-on-one time with Adam, the very first man. But then God said something amazing. He said, it is not good for man to be alone. And he created Eve, a companion. This was the first community, man and woman, and God dwelling and spending time intimately in a deep relationship with them. I think it's really easy, and and it's good that we look at this story very often, and we see a marriage relationship, how God intended a marriage relationship between a man and a woman. And I think that's wonderful. We should look at it that way. But I think if we look a little deeper, if we take a step back, we can see God's intention for all communities, for his kingdom, for family, relationships, friendships. It shows us we were meant for each other. We are meant to be together. And I'm so thankful that God's kingdom didn't just end with God and Adam. That it didn't just end there. No, God had a plan for a kingdom full of so many different kinds of people. And here's, I'm going to take it a step further. On top of this, God didn't just create community and create Eve for Adam saying, it's not good for man to be alone, let's make someone else for him so they can produce and, and, and fill the earth. But he actually created community for an even deeper purpose, for us to draw each other to him, to draw each other closer. We were created to draw each other closer to God. When we're living God's best in our messy relationships, we are drawing each other back to God. It isn't just about you or me. It's about us. We can see this in Ecclesiastes 4.12. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. When, uh, when I was in high school, my mom, who I love deeply, and she... Uh, she, she was always a prayer warrior. My parents actually met in ministry. Uh, she would say something, and when she started saying it to me, she'd say it every so often. And I, actually, I was actually pretty offended. I didn't know how to take what she was saying. She, she would say this. She would say, Preston, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. I'm praying that God brings people into your life that are better than you, that have gone further in their life with you. They know Jesus better than you do, and they can pull you up to what God's best is for you. And I'm going... You just invited Billy last night. Is he not good enough? I don't, you let him come over and you know, hang out. It, are my friends not good enough for you? But that's not what she was saying at all. She was saying, I want God's best for you, and I'm so thankful. One, that she had been praying, but she actually told me that that was her intention. Because while I'm blessed to have many people I call friend, I could probably count on one hand the people in my life that I call family, even though they weren't part of my original family directly, my bloodline. These people in my life, I truly believe if if God had not brought them into my life, I don't know if I'd be standing in front of you today. These are people in my life that have been there in the darkest times. They have been there in the struggling times. I've been there for them 
as well through hard times and great times. And they're the sorts of people that when something's going on, when I, when I just need prayer or someone to talk to, I can go to them and say, hey, can I talk to you? Can you listen to me? Can, can we pray? Can you pray for this? And even if that's all I send to them, say, hey, pray for me. I know without a shadow of a doubt, these are the sorts of people in my life that they're not going, yeah, man, I got you. And they put the phone down and walk away and go on without their day, throughout their day and completely forget. They are praying right then and right there. They are standing with me, even if they're not with me right now. I didn't, uh, I didn't even share this in the first service. I mean, I have a, my, be, my very best friend. I, this is just a, a story of an example of this. We were catching up earlier this week, and we hadn't talked in a little while. I'm from Florida, if you didn't know. Came all the way from Florida a couple months ago. And he reached out to me. We were catching up, and before we hung up, he was like, hey, man, is it okay if we schedule something once a week in the evening or something like that and just dedicate time to just catch up, talk to each other, fill each other in on our lives, see what God's doing, maybe even open up the Bible and read a little bit and study together. And while I'd love to say that that was my intention as well, to do something along those lines, I am so thankful that I have someone in my life that, went, that took that step to say, hey, can we set time aside? Can, can, can I spend time with you? Can, can we keep each other accountable? Those people in your life are invaluable. You can't even put a value on that. Proverbs 18, 24 says this, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Let me encourage you with this this morning. Maybe, maybe you're saying, I, I don't have those people in my life. Maybe you'd love those people in your life. What if those people are closer than you think today? Wouldn't it be just like God to bring those people into a room like this together where we're meeting on a regular basis, we're learning about God's word, maybe for the, maybe for the first time this morning? Um, but what if those people are here today? What if they're in your church family? What if they're in your community? Wouldn't it be just like God to bring those sorts of people together like that? I, I encourage you, seek God on this. Ask him to, to intervene and, and bring about these divine connections. I truly believe, and I am a testimony, that he does it, and he is willing to do that. Or maybe you're saying, Preston, I'm actually in a season where that's me. I need to step out. I need to go the extra mile, like my friend I just, I just told, my, told a story about. Maybe you're the one who needs to reach a hand down and pull someone up this morning. Teach someone what you've learned. Share your story of what God has done in your life and what he's brought you out of. Maybe that's you today. Will you seek God and pray with me? I'm believing that God wants to move in a mighty way. We are built for community. I believe it starts here. We're called to go out. Amen? We're called to go out into our communities. The Great Commission, which was at the end of Jesus' ministry, before he left and went to be with his father, he said, the Great Commission, go out into all the world and preach the gospel to every nation. That includes right outside these doors. That includes right outside your front door. But if we don't have a community of people, a community of believers, uh, uh, people in our lives that God has placed to strengthen us, it is very hard to do that alone. We're not meant to do it alone. Start here today. encourage you with that. So lastly, as we looked at their relationship, we looked at Mary and Joseph's relationship, how God used to bring them together. Lastly, as they get to Bethlehem, something happens. 
They go to a place, and they have what I like to call a stable miracle. Stable miracle. Luke 2, 6-7 says this. While they were there, the time came for the baby Jesus to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger or in a feeding trough because there was no guest room available for them. While we're talking about a family who lived over 2,000 years ago, this was not the trend at the time. This was not normal. This wasn't the latest thing. Have your baby in a manger and he'll grow up strong. This is not what they did normally. It smelled. It was unpleasant. This is where they held the animals. After the animals had worked hard all day, they go to rest and eat here. Um, there, There might have even been some leftover food in the trough that they literally laid Jesus in. It was messy. It seemed uncommon. It seems like it's not fit for anything. But yeah, this is where a miracle occurred. This is where the beginning of a change in the entire world happened. The beginning of something amazing. You may be living in your own stable today. Right now, where it just plain stinks. But you can look for the silver lining. You can look for the hidden blessing that is in your stable. But you see, never going at it alone, the fact that we're built for community is tied so heavily in this. While both Mary and Joseph had faith and trust that God was going to do what he had promised, it was both of them together. It was Joseph's Holy Spirit perspective that allowed them to look at it differently. I really believe that. And he shared that with his wife. God took, uh, Joseph actually took the mess that was in front of him and let God give him the right perspective. Both Mary and Joseph were supposed to do this together and it was them together they were able to see how God was going to use this unlikely environment to birth something amazing. And that's just it. If you're focused on your stable yourself, you're focused on me, where I'm at, my goals, where I'm heading, it can be all too easy to just see, to just smell the smell of the stable. It smells, it's unpleasant. The, the mess of the stable, the mess of our lives, the mess of our relationships gets in the way of our goals. It gets away of where we're going. It's truly unfit for anything of value. But when we look at the stable, we look at the same mess outside of the context of me and we look out in the context of us, of how God wants to use the people around us, that is when kingdom change comes. God didn't just take Mary to the stable by herself. He didn't tell Joseph to go to Bethlehem by himself. He told them to go together. And here's what I'm even thankful for. That miracle wasn't even just for them. It was for everyone. God wants to take our mess and do something amazing, but it's never just about you or me. It's about us. You see, it seems in today's culture, especially here in the West, it is so consuming to be focused on legacy. What am I leaving behind myself? What When people bring up my name, what do they think of? Who, who the, who's the man that they think of, the woman they think of when my name is brought up? And I don't think there's anything sinful or, or wrong with that. In fact, I think that's a good uh, uh, perspective to have on life. But the thing is, God is in that same business of building a legacy, but he flips it on its head. He flips it completely the other way around. His kingdom model is completely different. It's about how will my a- actions impact the next generation? How will my choices impact the next person in line? How will my choices and decisions right now, what I'm doing right now, impact 
my children, my future children, my future grandchildren, my community, my school, my coworkers. It takes the focus off of me and it puts it on us and who is coming after us. I'm a testimony of this. Like I said earlier, my parents met in ministry. They got saved in their late teen years and early college years and went to drama ministry where they traveled the country sharing the gospel through drama and skits. And they got married soon after and did about five years of ministry throughout the United States before they had me. And I'm thankful that they didn't go, man, God has got something good going on right here with us. And that's it. I think we're supposed to focus on us, just our relationship. Let's just focus on, I'm so glad that they realized and heard from God and listened to God to say, hey, there's something else coming down the road. There's a future coming down the road. There's a bigger picture. There's more blessing, and it's about building his kingdom. I'm so thankful that my parents saw that today. Amen? And Jesus talked a ton about building his kingdom, and I'm so glad that we have a part to play in it. It starts when we take our minds off of me, myself, and I and focus it on us. Maybe this morning you're asking, Preston, how are you so sure about this? How do you know this? Well, we can actually find it in probably the, one of the most memorized verses in the whole Bible, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It doesn't say, for God so loved Preston. It doesn't say, for God so loved Pastor Robert. It doesn't say, God so loved Elevate Church. It doesn't even say, God so loved the United States of America. It said, God loves the entire world, everyone in it. We're all involved in this story. And God wants to use each and every one of our messy relationships to do something amazing for his kingdom. Amen? Amen. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? I want to pray two prayers. The first one, if you're here this morning and you're saying, Preston, that's me. I, I have a messy relationship. I've got a confusing situation, but I want God to use that mess. I want God to take my mess and my story and do something amazing with it. I want, I need a miracle out of this mess. I need a miracle in my stable. I need people in my life to help me see and have the right perspective for the good, better, and best in my life. God's best in my life. If that's you, will you raise a hand so I know who I'm praying for this morning? We pray with you. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word that is always true, never found void. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that you want to use our messy relationships. God, I thank you that you built us for community. We're built for one another. We are not meant to do this alone. It is all too easy to get distracted by the way that our, our society is, is structured, our culture is structured, but God, get, help us see the bigger picture. Help us see your vision for legacy. Help us see your vision for the friendships, relationships, and even the family we find ourselves in today. Give us wisdom. Give us a Holy Spirit perspective. Help us build a foundation of trust in you, God. Let's pray for blessing and favor upon everyone in this room this today. Jesus, stand with your head still bowed, every eye closed. I want to pray one more prayer. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Preston, that's great and all, but I I don't know this Jesus person. I, maybe you're saying today, hey, I, I would like to know him more. 
I'd love to have a relationship. I'd love to accept his free gift of salvation that he offers to me. Or maybe you're here today and there's been a disconnect through whatever circumstances. I may not know you know them personally this morning, but I can tell you, I know exactly that God does. God sees your situation. God sees where you're at. And if you want to reconnect this morning, or if that's you for the first time, you want to say, I want Jesus to invade my space. I want Jesus to be the center of my life. If that's you, would you raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for? Amen. 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 Praise God. Let's pray. And church family, would you pray together with me to just support those who are making a decision possibly for the first time this morning? Dear Jesus, I accept your gift of salvation. I'm asking you to come into my life. Invade my space. Jesus, I believe that you died and rose again on the third day for my sins and to reconnect me in a relationship with God. God, I know that you know me intimately and I want to know you more. I want to know the truth today, God. Show yourself to me today. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.